have never been so scared as I was standing on that starting line. I'm just, I had no idea what was going to happen. I had no idea how it was going to go. And all of these terrible things, you know, going through my head. But I was like, if I have to go to the medic and I have to DNF, then that's, then that's what it has to be. And so just each mile was like a, was like a miracle. I, I, I can't even exaggerate. I mean, and you also know how the crowd support and the experience of running Boston is where it's like, I feel like I was carried. Like, I felt like I could do anything because all of these people were saying that I could. So to just be able to run that course in 26 miles, I was, I was completely skeptical that it would happen. And it, and it did. And I do think it was because of this spirit that was all around me. Because if I was left to myself, I would have not been able to continue. I, I will never have another race like that. I will never have another marathon like that, experience like that, I don't think. I mean, it was completely transformational. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 61 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. When Kristen Smith sets her mind on a goal, watch out. Growing up in Texas, she sang in choir, enjoyed performing in musical theater, and dreamed of making it to Broadway. By the tender age of 18, she moved to NYC, began working in the performing arts on Broadway, and made her dream come true. Kristen is driven, competitive, and enjoys setting big goals and getting after them. Her path to running was unusual. Kristen decided to form a group to raise awareness for health and healthy living in her workplace, which included doing charity races. They were all beginners, but she really enjoyed the community aspect. As her runs grew longer, she sought out company to share the miles and break up the boredom. She soon realized she could do her best problem solving on the run and was hooked. We discuss her first marathon, running a 415 in Philly, totally winging her training. Joining dashing whippets, flourishing in a group environment, running a 333 in her second marathon and earning her BQ, her quest to prove she belongs, hiring her coach, mentor, and friend, Paul Carmona, who shaped and inspired her over the years, learning the value of prescribed training to develop her systems, running her first run after a pelvic stress fracture at Boston, and finishing against all odds a transformational experience. Mistakes made, lessons learned. Her coaching philosophy and how good it feels to help them achieve their goals. From not understanding the purpose of a track workout, tempo or fartlek run, to becoming a student of our sport, fully fluent in running terminology, to ending her fall marathon season with a 307 at London, 308 at Boston, and closing with a 302 in New York City over 35 days. Kristen's running and coaching future looks bright. Excited to follow her inspiring journey. Hope you all enjoy this convo as much as we did. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Kristen Smith, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you doing tonight? Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we had a few tech issues 
trying to trying to thwart us before we came online. But we pulled it out, man. You know, just a little a little fun, just to make things challenging, right? Exactly. You know, there's no straight path. You know, to get from here to there, you got to make a few twists and turns. I think <laughs> always. <laughs> no question about it. And as runners, we know all about twists and turns, and and the roads less traveled and more traveled, right? Absolutely. So, um. How about you just give a little intro for everybody on where you grow up, you know, kind of what family life was like and, you know, kind of when you got your like first introduction to sports. Sure. Um, well, that's a very, it's going to be a very short story because uh, <laughs> there's a, I, I, I grew up in Texas and I, um, you know, I, it was myself, my dad and my two brothers, uh, two younger brothers and, you know, they did all the sports and I did all the not sports um, <laughs> until I, so until I, you know, got way out of school and I was in my mid thirties. Um, but uh, growing up, I was in the choir and I was in the band and I uh, performed on stage. And so, um, you know, all of that stuff, you know, all of those practices and rehearsals and, you know, that sort of took up all of my time and there was no, you know, time for really, you know, pursuing any sports, um, at least in any organized fashion. Um, you know, but I, I always have had a love of the outdoors, you know, that was something that I, you know, just, I always gravitated to, um, just naturally. And, you know, my parents were always like trying to get me to come back inside. You know, I was that, I was that kid. Um, and so, you know, I, I've always had, you know, just a love of, of doing and, and being a part of, uh, of community. And, um, so that's manifest itself in, in many different ways. And eventually I got to running. <laughs> well, very cool. We, we don't need to get into running yet. We've got loads of time, but so what part, what part of Texas did you grow up in? Okay. Well, so it was, um, generally speaking, uh, outside of Dallas, Closer to Fort Worth, though, um, very small town. Um, it's called Keller. No one's, you know, there's nothing there. You, you know, you could drive through it and you wouldn't even know you were there. Um, I mean, it's it's grown a lot more lately, but when I was there, it was very much just a like little tiny, you know, suburb. Um, and you know, most everybody worked in the in the city, quote unquote. Um, you know, and they, you know, raise their families, you know, we had the, the nice yard and, you know, everybody had like matching houses. <laughs> um, you know, so it was, it was nice. It was a nice, you know, kind of very calm and, you know, kind of very traditional, um, American way of, of growing up, you know, like, um, we knew, I knew the, the people, the kids in my neighborhood that were my age and, you know, um, we would all hang out together. We would literally just play on the street, just in the middle of the street. You know, I mean, there was no, it was, it was that kind of, you know, quiet, um, peaceful, peaceful place. So, you know, there was a park, there was like a really, uh, large park, um, for the community that was like, um, five minutes from, uh, my house. And, you know, that was sort of our also extended backyard. And so, you know, we were just, at all hours. And because it was so, you know, because it was so quiet and so close to home, you know, it was, 
it, there was never a concern. It wasn't like, oh my God, where are you going? Or what, you know, what, it, where, you know, we would just, I would just be gone. And then, you know, we'd come back, you know, at, at nine o'clock or at dark or whatever it would be, you know, something like that. Yeah. We, we grew up in very different times and obviously I'm much older than you, but yeah, it was, if I ever came back before dark or any of my brothers ever came back before dark, my mom would just look at us like, what are you guys doing here? Like what, what's, what happened? Or one of you hurt, you know, you need band-aids, like what's going on? Like, a, you know, or do you need a couple of dollars to get a sandwich? We were gone. That's where we were all day. And it was, if it wasn't a sporting activity, it's just playing hide and seek or 900 other things on the block, like you said, or in the park. But um, when you weren't doing that stuff, you were into, you know, choir, performing, um, musical theater, you know, that kind of stuff, which is super fun. What what attracted you to that originally? Like, what age did you get involved with that kind of stuff? Ooh, I, so that I got into very, very young. Um, I must have been, I guess, eight years old. Um, so we were a church going family. And that was the, the initial segue was, was through church, um, and church choir. And then I actually, um, auditioned for this separate, like sort of semi-professional choir, which I was in, um, performing in for a while, um, outside of school. Um, and so I did that for six years ish. Um, until I was about 13 or 14 and we performed all over. Um, and then at the same time, I was also performing in choir in school and choir in church. So basically I was like all of those things. And then I decided that I wanted to take, um, my musical, um, talents, I guess, uh, to the theater because there was something really sort of like, not, I'm not anti-religion, but I was not quite a true believer as, as, as you might, uh, imagine. And so, you know, I was happy to sing gospels and all of those kinds of things, but I really wanted to like do other stuff. Um, and so theater felt very like real. And also it felt sort of you know, everything about it just felt like, um, there was so much emotion and passion and, um, you know, enthusiasm wrapped up into it. And so that just sort of captured me and, um, it became, it was, it just became this huge, you know, goal slash obsession. Um, I think a lot of runners and, uh, at least for me are sort of like border on, type a OCD, you know, like, you know, so it was this thing. It was like, I am one, you know, hundred, you know, percent into this. And I'm thinking about it 365 days a year. And so it became this, you know, pursuit of mine. And, you know, I just kind of kept pushing myself in that direction. Very fun. Um, yeah. Well, so you, you enjoyed performing, enjoyed singing, but musical theater was more of interest again because of faith and all that. And and look, man, whether you're in a Catholic church, a Baptist church, or whatever, you're either all in on that stuff or you're not. And if you're not, you know, it's good. You gotta gotta figure out how to redirect, you know, that passion and the interest. Um, what was the first show that you got to be involved in, and what uh, what was your role? Ooh, uh, I, the first sort of big one, I guess, was Jesus Christ. Uh, no, sorry, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, so we had, <laughs> which is a religious show, which is kind of funny. 
Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, so we had the school, you know, assigned sort of things. And then I would also go out for auditions, you know, for the community theaters. Um, and, you know, we did, they did other shows like, you know, they did Our Town and they did um, J- Jesus Christ Superstar, which I mentioned. And, you know, um, what was it? Oh, the Wizard of Oz. And, you know, so a lot of these other shows, you know, very family friendly sort of stuff. Um, you know, and I participated in those. Um, I sort of, I, I, so in school, I was basically in the choir and the band. And then outside of school is where I did most of the the acting stuff, because as I said, I could audition for the, um, community theater productions and, you know, in school, you can only have so many electives. And, um, you know, I was very music, music was sort of my intro, my gateway drug, if you will, you know, into all of that. So I always, you know, I always considered myself a musician first, you know, that was my, you know, my roots or whatever. And then the, the acting part was like secondary. Um, and that also sort of manifest itself in, in, uh, in my, uh, in my roles, in my acting career, so to speak, because I was, you know, I, I was, I thought, you know, pretty okay, but you know, it's, it's tough. It's a tough uh, profession, (laughs) even when it's not a profession. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And the talent levels are amazing. Um, and you know, face it, like there are certain roles that you you just, you're made for, right? To, to, based on your singing type or, you know, your acting chops, whatever it might be, it's just a good fit. And maybe you're going to get cast for something like that, but maybe that's really your only shot. And you find out, okay, this isn't, this is going to be way harder than I thought, or I'm not really landing anything. Um, but it's wonderful, man, to get up there on stage. I don't care if it's a high school performance, you know, junior college, community college, um, off Broadway, Broadway. It's amazing. It's a great experience. Um, whether you're playing an instrument, you know, you're in the orchestra, you're up there singing, you're acting, performing, whatever you're doing. It's it's a uh, amazing experience. So so super cool. Um, what was your favorite show as a kid? You know, like high school age. Like, what was your favorite one that you performed in? Mm, I kind of didn't like most of the stuff that I ended up performing in or that we ended up doing because, you know, I, I was sort of, I fancied myself more of the, the modern, more avant-garde sort of, um, uh, you know, like I really, I'm a, like a huge Sondheim fan, like huge Sondheim fan. They will like, there was no community productions of any song. Like we were not doing that. You know, we were doing like, the Andrew Lloyd Webber's, you know, the very easy, you know, sort of like, as I said, family friendly fair, you know, because, you know, small town kind of tech, you know, like when I was doing the auditions, I was doing that in the, in the, in the quote city, but still, you know, these are community, you know, theaters. So they're, you know, they're not doing the, the latest and the, you know, the, the pushy or the, you know, edgy or any of that, any of that kind of stuff. And I really sort of, like to listen to that stuff on my own. And I was like, we're never going to do this. You know, like I fancy my, I like to like read playbill and see what was coming out and you know, what's, what's playing on Broadway. What's the latest thing in New York. And I like to like listen to that and then, you know, fancy myself as some, you know, like, uh, (laughs) you know, sophisticated, uh, 
taste maker or something, you know, as a, as a teenager, uh, um, you know, and I'm like, oh, this small town stuff. You know? <laughs> so the, the fit wasn't there. Um, but it's funny, but you rec you recognized, you know, what was really interesting to you and Sondheim, my son is a huge Sondheim fan. Um, you know, he's in also in performing arts and, you know, music theater, conductor, composer, pianist, taught himself the organ. Um, and it's, it, I've been enjoying that since he was, you know, seven or eight years old and he's now 24 and have seen so many different performances in his high school friends, his college friends, whatever, the ones who are still really involved in it. It's awesome. You know, whether they're at a small theater in Baltimore somewhere and they get a role, you know, to go go see one of these kids doing something is really neat. So that's kind of what led you to New York City, right? To to Broadway, right? Pretty much. Oh, no, that was absolutely. So I had a goal. I I don't know, probably from the age of 13. It was very early on. I was like, I'm out of here. Like I I I was not even like I did not hesitate. I was not the slightest bit shy about it. I told everyone I met, everyone around me, I was like, guys, I'm, this is it. You know, just like, I was counting down the days <laughs> and there's nothing against that, but it was just like, I felt like I want more, you know, like I want more than, than this can offer. And, um, you know, so it was, it was very clear from, you know, like I said, years and years and years, I was like, well, I got to at least, you know, I got to go, I got to try, I got to do this. Um, and you know, didn't look back. <laughs> Amazing. It takes a lot of nerve, but you were really young when you decided you were going to just like make your move and head up, head up to New York. So if I remember when we were chatting before we came on, was it like 18 or somewhere around there? But it was, it was a very young age for sure to just say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go give it a shot. Yes. That was exactly the age. Like I graduated high school and I was already, I already had my plans. I was like, guys, this is it. Just so you know. You know, and like I did my whole senior year graduation, you know, I was like, goodbye, goodbye forever. <laughs> you know, Peace I out. Mean that, like, in a nice way, but also like, you know, just I got to, you know, sow my oats or whatever they said, you know. <laughs> Love it. So, you know, you, you have a strong will. Um, your mind was made up. Um, you have go your goals, you set your goals in life and you're, you set a direction, you're going to go after it. So that all sets up well for anyone who's ever going to be a good runner. Um, all runners are determined as hell. Um, doesn't matter how many times they break themselves or get injured or miss a goal. They're not sitting there going, oh, I'll never do it. They're just like, nope, I'm going to try again. <laughs> nope. I'm going to try again. And you know, what makes us really, um, successful and, and really keep staying after it is, the fact that there's so many new ways to train and different ways to, you know, try to approach getting fitter and get, getting healthier. So I'm curious, you used a lot of those skills to get yourself to New York and get yourself to Broadway. Um, when did you actually like get involved with running? Like when did that come into the picture for you and how did that play a role in you? Like since you came, like say from Texas up to New York. Ooh, so I got involved in running. I was, uh, well, so it was a sort of long drawn out process, but I'll say when I was like, became sort of serious about it, I was uh, 35. Um, and I basically, you know, before that I had done, you know, I had like gone out for the Saturday run or whatever. Um, you know, I had, I had run here and there. I had done, you know, a turkey trot or I had done a 5k, you know, like all these things that, you know, we, we sort of do 
um, you know, or that are very, you know, entry level, you know, everybody's welcome, you know, sort of thing. So I had, I had done these things and, you know, had no, like, I don't know, idea behind it really. It was just like, well, I'm going to, you know, I had these vague notions of like, I would like to be fit or, you know, um, actually one of the main ways that I really got into running was as a way to just be outside and sort of process my thoughts because I am very, very good at like thinking through a problem while running. And so, you know, anytime that something would come up, you know, it would sort of be, I would either have to go for a walk, go for a hike or go for a run. It was just like, I had to be actively working through it for my brain whatever those chemicals release, you know, for my brain's like, Oh, I can, you know, now solve this, you know, dilemma or whatever it is. Um, so that became, that was sort of the, the gateway again. And then eventually it became a thing that was like, Oh, maybe I can pursue this in a more, you know, um, organized and sort of, uh, thought out way and, you know, sort of figure out how this actually works. <laughs> Very cool. So initially just Saturdays, you know, clear your head. At some point you start realizing, hey, this is actually helping me. I'm working through real life stuff, technical problems, life problems, relationship problems, whatever the hell it is. It doesn't matter. I don't care what it is. Business problems, work problems, ro Broadway role problem, whatever it is. We do our best thinking out there. That's the truth. And people think you got to be out there on a three-hour run. No, you don't. It could be sometimes a 30 or a 45-minute run in the pouring rain, and all of a sudden, it's like, bang, a lightning bolt. And sometimes, for me, it's longer runs for sure. I got to get out there a certain amount of time. It has nothing to do with pace at all, but I got to be out there a certain amount of time where it just goes, I go into like a free flow state, which is what I call it. And even if I have a podcast on and it's our show and I'm listening to it, getting ready to think about what's going to be the best clip to introduce Kristen. So it's going to be a great show and everybody downloads it and listens. Like I'll get to a certain point in that run, even though I hear the shows in my ears, my brain is now totally focused on something else and it's not distracted. It's, it's this crazy way of coming to some really important hierarchical hierarchy thing that it gets to where it's like, you don't realize it. It's deep in your subconscious or some other thing. It could be a family thing. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, it's, it's locked in on this. And it's like, you just keep going. And all of a sudden you're a little further out. And sometimes you don't even have an aha moment right then, but it's like, when you get back and it's like, oh, wait a minute, I know what to do here. I know how I'm going to figure this shit out. This is definitely going to help me. And it's so interesting that you noticed that even though you weren't doing very much regular running, you noticed it in that particular regard. Most people sometimes just feel like, oh, I feel better. Like it's a stress reliever. I feel better about myself. I'm more relaxed now. But you noticed that it was really helping you deal with real life issues. I mean, I was sort of uh, committed to the, to the figuring it out and the um, monotony of it. So even... Um, even in high school, again, and I had no running experience at all, but we lived, because it was a small town, we also lived close to the the track, the high school track. So I would literally just go in circles, like for an hour, you know, it was sort of, I don't know if you would call it run so much as like a jog walk kind of thing, but that's how I would figure things out in high school, because everyone's so angsty in high school anyway. And then later on, like in New York, I would 
it was the reservoir around and around. Like, you know, I just, I didn't want to try to like puzzle out where to go or have a location. It was just like, just like automatic and let my mind do the thing. And then I, when I lived in Queens, I lived in Sunnyside, Queens for a while. So there was, it was just a little, uh, there were no parks anywhere around there. So I would just circle the block and I made just like a square around and around and around. And that's what I would do. And it was like, you know, again, I don't know that, you know, nobody would look at that and be like, oh, that's training or that's running. And it was very just sort of like, uh, uh, just sort of my body was going through the motion so that I could puzzle my way through things. Well, there's a rhythm to it. Um, so whether it's the reservoir, you know, which we know, um, obviously it's beautiful to look at, whether it's sunrise, sunset, pitch black, there's always people out there. We know there's always going to be people out there. Um, and you know, the surface is good, so it's not hard on the body, but you know, a lot of problems have been solved out there in that reservoir. Um, we probably created a few too when we overthink things as well, but you know, it's like, it's just, a, it is, it, it's a respite from stuff and you know, the running around blocks in Queens or in New Jersey or anywhere else, it doesn't matter. It's just whatever that place is where you can get into that rhythm is the place where we're unwinding, man. We're just, we're dealing with stress. We're, we're trying to problem solve. We're thinking through whatever we are. And somewhere out there, we realize that we're feeling better about ourselves every time we do this. So somewhere in there, and I'm wondering where do you start realizing like, hey man, I actually like this running thing. It's pretty cool. Um, so that, that's where I was sort of, um, I guess forced into it in a way um, <laughs> because I I decided that I was part of a, a little like a group to um, inspire healthy living and healthy uh, lifestyles um, for my job because part of what we do in the arts is we like, you know, the suffering artist is, you know, sort of what we do, you know, where we're, you know, we you know, uh, you have to suffer for your art. It's sort of like the drinking all the time and, you know, smoking all the time and what, you know, all of these bad habits, that's sort of like it, it's like, it goes together and it's part of the romance of it. Right. So everybody's felt like, you know, people feel like, well, if, you know, I'm going to yoga and, you know, drinking a green smoothie, I'm not doing it right. I'm not a real artist or whatever. Right. Um, so we, <laughs> it was, it was born out of this fact because, well, partly because um, from the practical point of view, um, our health insurance plan for our union is very expensive. So they were like, we want to come up with ways, you know, so they were actually uh, sponsoring and having contests for like, you know, all of these, again, healthy, healthy living, healthy, active measures. And so, um, you know, I realized like, I'm, if I don't sort of change my lifestyle, I'm going to like, you know, I'm knocking years off of my life. Right. Because if you don't sleep, you eat poorly and you drink every night, like you're just, you're not going to live very long. Right. Um, so I was sort of inspired to, to just be a, a leader for this. And, um, we had a little health, uh, health committee where I was on the committee and uh, so I was tasked with, you know, like coming up with things. So one of the great things I was like, well, let's do, you know, we'll do these charity runs because, you know, 
the money goes to charity. You're doing a good thing for yourself. You're doing a good thing for society. You know, like it's sort of like a, a good, good win-win. Right. And, uh, so yes, I had to, I was leading all of these things. So I have to be there. Right. You know, like I can't, I can't be like, Oh yeah, guys, you go do the charity race. And, uh, you know, I'll be at home on my couch. You know, I have to be like a good steward for this. Uh, so that's sort of how it started because, uh, I was, you know, trying to rally the troops and, you know, a bunch of, of people were coming and I was trying to get them to, you know, come time after time. And so they sort of, we, we've had this ended up with this little group. It was like 10 of us. And, um, we just, we were just having fun. It was like, Oh, that's, that was, that was really great. You know, we would run a little charity race and then, um, you know, we'd go out for a coffee afterwards and, you know, chat about things or whatever. And then, you know, we do it again and, you know, the next month or whatever. And, uh, so that is really where it caught on because again, it was like, I'm, you know, I'm on the committee, I'm leading this race, this, uh, you know, for this race, I have to, you know, I have to be there. <laughs> so you had no choice, but to be present. Um, yeah, that would not have gone over well if you're like one of the leaders and you're not actually participating or like you said, you're home on the couch, where the hell's Kristen? Oh yeah. I don't know where she is. Um, she's probably at a bar drinking or something, but yeah, so you were involved and, um, it started out very small, but like most things, you know, they get a little momentum and where at this point, like where in there do you start realizing like, Hey man, I'm actually enjoying the running like more, not just because I need to do this or I'm supposed to do this, or it's an obligation and I got to be a good steward, as you said. And look, community is so damn important. It's at the root if we focus on community in life, we're all going to be happy because anytime we're doing something for others, we immediately feel better. It's just a simple thing. People don't understand that the minute you give something to another person and it helps them, it's like, wow, you give up your seat on the subway and somebody actually gets to sit down, a pregnant mom, you hold a door for somebody, you give a homeless person some socks, whatever it might be, the outcome is always going to be, we feel better. And I just wish if more people would realize that it's the simple things. It doesn't need to be any big overt gesture. So you start doing this just to help people be a little more healthy. Like when is it actually the light bulb moment for you where you're realizing like, hey, I really like running. Like I'm, I'm starting to enjoy this. Well, so I had, I was fortunate to have a couple of like early successes in just in terms of like age, age grouping, um, you know. And again, these were very, you know, tiny races. So it wasn't, you know, um, you know, there were probably four people in my age group, but I got third in my age group, but, you know, just like having that little recognition, I was like, oh, uh, oh, maybe, maybe I, maybe I can do this, you know, maybe that's a thing, you know, like I like that, uh, you know, it's like anytime you, you know, your name gets called in the award ceremony, you get the extra little medal or whatever, you know, it was like wow. I mean, you know, that was sort of what really made me latch onto it because I'm like, well, maybe if I focus on this and maybe if I, you know, can do this a little more, I can get better. You know, it's like, um, you know, I, I think if I had felt like I was going backwards or I wasn't making any progress that, you know, maybe it would have just ended, you know, very quickly or right then and there. But, but it was like, I, you know, and it got easier too. That was the other thing. It was like, as, as we all know with running, it's like the more you do it, the easier it gets. Right. So the first time you do the 5k or the first time, you know, 
you go out and run two miles after you've had a, a long break from injury or whatever, for whatever reason, it's like, I don't know how to run. I forgot how to run. I can't run. This is terrible. Everything sucks. And then, you know, the next day and the next day it's like, Oh, then it's, Oh, this becomes fun again. This becomes enjoyable. This becomes a thing that I can do. Um, so it was that process over time. It's like, Oh, okay. This is a thing I can do. And it's now it's not so horrible. <laughs> That's great. And, you know, definitely recognition, you know, you're in theater, performing arts. It makes sense. I mean, but anybody, I mean, you don't have to be in performing arts. I mean, any athlete, you know, half the time they're giving out participation trophies these days. I mean, don't even get me started on that. Like teams are like, you don't even have a team. You're like, oh, and 87 and we're giving people trophies. It's like, what? What's happening here? I'm not saying you need to win and, you know, to get something, but come on, man, there's got to be some system in place, but I think that's one of the absolute coolest things about running for sure. I know when I got started, cause I was a college baseball player. I didn't start running to my thirties either. So I was a very late starter. I ran for sports. I was involved with sports way earlier than you were, but I was like, wow, this is cool. The medals and stuff, our medals are insane today. I mean, they're not cool. They're like crazy. Amazing. I mean, the London Marathon medal was crazy. The Boston 125th was crazy. The 50th New York City was crazy. Like I have the six star medal. I ran in the hundredth Boston. I mean, these medals are crazy. Like my first New York Marathon was like 1993 when Fred LeBeau had brain cancer and he ran with Greta Weitz. Oh, and yeah. Um, I actually saw them on the course. I mean, he signed my book. Um, and I did not run another marathon for many years. It was just my CEO had, uh, did all his banking in our business with Chase back then. It was Chase. Um, actually, I'm sorry. It was Man Manufacturers Hanover actually was the sponsor. It was before they were Chase. Um, and he got me a bib to the race and, you know, I just literally like showed up <laughs> and did the race. Um, but I mean, like, it's just incredible, like how cool, the experience is for a runner to run, forget about a marathon, run a 5k, man, you know, like get involved with any charity organization. I don't care who it is. I mean, it should matter to you what the charity is, of course, but whether you're raising money for American Cancer Society or, you know, Michael J. Fox, ALS, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, you're helping other people, you know, you're raising money and you don't have to run a marathon to be part of something like that. You can do a 10K, a 5K, a half marathon. Sure. I mean, eventually a marathon piece is bigger because, you know, it might get you into a Boston marathon or a New York marathon where maybe you couldn't. Um, so you're starting to have some age group success. You're getting some cool awards. Like when do you get involved with dashing whippets and get involved with the team and, and really start to take it like more seriously? Like when does that happen? Oh, so that was, um, so I signed up for my first, uh, marathon and, um, you know, I was inspired. So I live on the marathon course. I live off of first Avenue. Um, and they run, you know, they run by, um, my apartment. And so, I mean, you know how marathon day is. It's like, I mean, there's no better day in New York city. It's just like, again, coming from it, uh, originally not as a runner at all. And just like, I, but I would, I would always watch. And I always was just like overcome by the spirit of the day, you know, like, oh my God, humanity on display, pushing your limits, challenges, you know, like, um, and just, it, you know, such a beautiful, uh, experience. And so, um, you know, of course I wanted to run New York, but not being a runner and not like 
knowing how to get in and just thinking, well, I'll just run New York, right? As we know, like, that's not how that goes. Um, so I signed up for Philly because it was like, oh, that's close by. And also at the time that I, you know, had just decided, oh, I'm going to run a marathon and uh, I want to do, I want to do one like right now. Um, <laughs> Philly was the one that I could get into. <laughs> Let's do this today. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I was like, okay, well, like I signed up and then I was like, oh, I got to, I probably have to train for that. I mean, that's a long one, right? <laughs> so how so far is, how far is a marathon again? You know, the questions that we get, wait, how far is a marathon? How many miles? Okay. Yeah. 26. Yeah. That seems far. Okay. Yeah. I knew it was a long way. And I had, I, so I'm not kidding. I, I, I literally had, didn't know anybody at that point who had completed a marathon. Like nobody in my life had completed a marathon. So I was like, well, it's probably hard. Um, <laughs> I think I need help. Right. I have no idea what I'm doing. So I, I Googled on the conveniently on the New York, uh, Roadrunners, um, uh, webpage, they had the quote beginner marathon plan. Um, which was literally, I kid you not, all, all it had in it was like, uh, you know, three mile runs, like uh, three days a week. And I mean, it was no speed work. So all I did to train for that was I just ran easy every day. Um, but the long runs, oh, I hated the long. It, it's taken me a very long time to like embrace the long run because I was so terrible at it for the longest time. Um, so I joined the whippets strictly to do long runs with other people because I had, I didn't know how to do it. Like I didn't know where to go. I didn't, I wasn't doing the fueling like at all, at all. Like I didn't figure that out until like two weeks before the race or something like, Oh, I'm supposed to be taking something. Oh, okay. Geez. Okay. Um, you know, and I, I learned that just by seeing other people do it. Like, I didn't know. So, um, but yeah, so I thought, oh, I'll just figure it out. I had, you know, I had this, the quote plan from New York Roadrunners. And, you know, I was like, I'll, I will join these other people for the long runs because I attempted to do some of them on my own. And I just, like, it was impossible to get through. And it's kind of funny now thinking about it because, like, I had no base. Like, I had no, you know, normally they say, like, if you want to do a marathon, at least be a consistent runner. I was not a consistent runner until I was like, I'm going to run the marathon. Um, so I sort of had the cart and the horse a little bit mixed up there, but, um, you know, uh, I got there <laughs> and I got to the finish. <laughs> I love it because, um, your candor is the best part. Um, every person, when it's your first, you're going to blow up and you're going to make so many mistakes. I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. And I love the fact that you shared, you didn't even have, it's not like you had some group of 10 friends who'd all been running marathons saying, come on in Kristen, the water's warm. Let's go for a swim. No, man. You're just like, I'm signing up for Philly. I'm doing this shit. And you don't know what the hell you're doing. So you have no one to like bounce any ideas off. It's not like today where every single thing on the planet is on Instagram or Facebook, every kind of training plan on earth, speed work, long run, 
runs, food, fueling. Like you can Google and search anything in a second. Back then, I'm sure it was like a Bob Glover training plan, which they, like you said, they've evolved so much. I mean, he was like legendary coach in roadrunner circles and probably helped more first time marathoners ever complete one. But you're right. They were very much kind of fill in the blanks and dependent on, as you said, having some kind of a base coming in. You didn't have a base. Your base was you were just running whatever days they told you to run and you're trying to do long runs, not doing any fueling. You have no idea what's going on. So I love how accidentally or not accidentally, accidentally on purpose or not, you end up with whippets just for some company. And this is why on my show, I spend so much time telling people, you know what? I don't care if you're the most introverted person in the world. I don't care if you think you're going to be stronger and better off on your own. Find some people to do your long runs with. Even if you don't do all of them, even if you just do one or two in the whole cycle where you just say, this is going to be a long run time on my feet run. I'm getting out of New York City. I'm getting out of Philly. I'm getting out of Miami. I'm going somewhere that's not where I live. And I'm going to go find some dirt and some gravel and maybe some elevation or maybe a mountain. And I'm just going to go out for a three-hour run, a two-hour run, whatever the time amount is as you're working your way up. Don't break yourself, people. I'm not trying to get anybody injured here. I want everybody healthy. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to break anybody and be the cause of anybody's injury. But um, you know, to have that company. It's a life changer. It's a game changer. I mean, if nothing else for the conversation, man, to break up a 12-mile run, a 14-mile run. And that's what people don't understand. Total strangers, man. That's where this show came from. Going out with total strangers I've never met in my entire life. I don't even know half of them don't even speak English. They speak four of their languages. And I meet them in a city somewhere. And it's like, hey, man, let's go. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. I don't even know what some of these people are saying to me on runs. And I and they don't know what I'm saying. But you know what? We shared two hours together. And we saw Berlin or some other city together. And we ran through a park in Tokyo. And we finished and we had a breakfast, a coffee, a meal, a beer, and we were all better for it, right? So how cool is that, that Whippets ended up, you know, pulling you in or you came to them because of this kind of need for, you know, the community, the contact? Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> like I said, I sort of, I tried, I was like, I'm, you know, I think, because of course, you know, we think we can just figure it all out. Like I, I'm thinking it's not that complicated, right? You know, um, and uh, and and I just, I mean, like the boredom. I'm, I mean, the boredom was really what got to me because, you know, as you say, you know, 12 miles um, at, at that time was, you know, like two and a half hours or whatever, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't feel the time. I didn't know what to do with myself, and also. I didn't know where to go because, you know, like, um, I, it, as much as I like, like love to run in central park, just, just doing long runs in central park is like, you know, mind numbing, especially for a beginner, because as I said before, like I wasn't very good. And I, you know, so I was struggling, you know, this, all those hills and, you know, trying to do more than one lap of it. Oh no. So it was like the idea of like, Oh, they're going to leave me somewhere and I can run there and I'll just follow them. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. I mean, look, our fitness levels are so wildly different, but I think that's why people are afraid sometimes to say, I'm going to join a group. I'm going to join, you know, dashing whippets, or I'm going to join the New York flyers or central park track club or, or any other club, you know, it boogie down Bronx. It doesn't matter. 
you know, running is community. That's what it is. There's somebody out there that was you. There's somebody out there that was me. There's somebody out there that was far more clueless than either one of us could ever be. Okay. And there's somebody out there who's way more adept at it because they've studied it and they paid attention to it, or they were running and took a break. And now they're kind of coming back in and they just need to kind of sharpen back up. Um, but yeah, where would we be without the people to share the miles with? For somebody to say, we're going to do this course on Saturday or Sunday, and we're going to have some people put some fluids out. And then when we're done, we're going to go have brunch because it changes it, man. It changes it from, I got to get up at 5.30 in the morning and walk my dog first and then I got to go for a run to, all right, man, I got some company tomorrow. I got to get my ass out of bed. Let's go. Versus like, oh no, I'm dreading this. And, um, you know, so that's that was a big uh, turn in the corner for you, for sure. Getting Getting connected with that group, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, as you as you sort of alluded to, I was I was pretty scared to even go in the beginning. And that's like I was, you know, because I knew that I was just starting out, you know, and I was like, well, all these people are going to be so much better and so much faster. And, you know, they're going to laugh at me and leave me behind or what, you know, like we have all these things going through our heads. And um, and that is part of the reason it took me so long uh, you know, to, to make the commitment there. But I was like, if, <laughs> you know, thankfully I had already committed to the marathon and that date was coming, you know, like, so I had this, you know, very real, um, unavoidable target in front of me that I was like, well, there's no going back. Right. You know, it's like, cause honestly, if I didn't have that and I, you know, all the struggles and trying to do it on my own, I might've just said, you know what, forget it but I had already paid the money and booked my stuff. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I love it because a lot of people just said, screw this shit. I'm out of here. I'm way over my head. Um, but I love the fact that you, uh, brought up, you know, what you're feeling, what you were actually feeling like, because, um, people, there's no runner. Every single runner is insecure period. Okay. Every person's insecure about their body type, what they look like. Who's going to be faster? Who's going to be slower? Somebody out there is going to like Kristen or Ron or somebody else and just say, hey, man, come on over here. I got you, man. Hang with me. I'm going to run slowly today. I got you. Don't worry about it. And you know what? Again, the more we open ourselves up to that person who's nervous and afraid and is maybe really gun shy about starting a conversation or is off to the side, just go up and talk to the man. Make it easy for them so that they feel welcome because- Someday, somebody else is going to come into the group and they're going to remember and they're going to help that person too, the same way you help them and go like, wow, I remember when Kristen came over and man, she really helped me relax and helped me feel at ease the same way somebody made you feel comfortable. And that's what it is, man. That's what our sport is about. Um, and, you know, having just run the JFK 50, you know, the trail running community is crazy. It's like, you know, if somebody falls down on the Appalachian Trail because it's so rocky and there's just so many logs underneath the leaves and you can't see them, I mean, runners turn around and go back. This is, I mean, it's just so different than what I'm used to or maybe you're used to running Boston or New York where we're so damn competitive and we want to run a PR and we want to place as high as we can in our age group. And that's fine. I am type A on steroids, man. You can't be any more psycho hyper competitive than me. But I got to tell you, it's good for the soul when I run these trail races and I just say, I don't care. I don't want to look at my watch. I don't care how many miles it says I'm at. 
I know it's 50 miles. Guess what? That's a long fucking way. I don't want to keep looking and go, oh, I have 38 to go. No, no, I don't want to look at all. I don't want to see it. The only thing I want to make sure is it's still recording. So yeah, I do want to look a few times, but like in a trail race, I've seen people go back and, you know, give people salt tablets or, or literally help them back up and get on their feet or just make sure, you know, they're okay. They're not like out on their feet. What do you need? Do you need a gel? Do you need me to come get somebody? Do you want to sit for a little while? And I just think that's one of the reasons why trail running is really on an uptick and on an upswing and the growth is good. And I think if we can be like, the people were to you and be more welcoming. And I know you were, and I know I'm trying to be that way. If more of us can be that way, we're going to get more people to join our clubs and join our teams and get up off the couch and say, I'll send it for the Philly marathon like you did with no plan whatsoever and have no idea what the hell you gotten yourself into. And guess what? Look at how it's worked out for you, man. Yes. I mean, a good, a good ending, honestly. Um, you know, and, uh, I mean the race, the race went relatively well. You know, I had a, I had a bit of a PF strike me, um, during training because as I said, you know, I had no base. And so I was like, I'm just going to do this thing. And you know, that was too much, too fast, too soon. Um, but you know, it didn't, it didn't set me back that much. Um, you know, I had to wear the, the special sock and you know, all that stuff overnight, but, um, not too bad considering all things. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I was very happy with myself because I quote ran the entire race, um, without stopping, which I wasn't sure if that would be possible. And, uh, it was, so yeah, it was a, you know, it was was a very good experience, um, with a, you know, like as a coach now, I just like, I'm, I mean, it it horrifies me what I did, (laughs) what I did. I was like, I try to make sure that nobody, I know, even if I'm not coaching them, I'm just like, please don't do that. (laughs) Don't do what I did. Don't do what I did. You know, do as I say, don't do as I do. Like, but that's the beauty of it. Most of the people who end up becoming a coach or wanting to help others are people that love our sport so much, but, but fuck shit up and made mistakes, did stupid, crazy ass stuff, but they live to tell the tale. Okay. And then they want other people to have a better experience. And you know what? I'm not sorry that I had some blown up experiences, man. I'm not sorry at all. I mean, there's some of the best war stories I have to tell, you know, running down first Avenue and going to the bathroom, you know, where the basketball courts over there and literally like having my legs completely lock and not being able to get up off the toilet bowl. This is not a porta john It's a real bathroom over there. I'm like, I can't move. I can't get up. You know, it's like that commercial <laughs> where it's like, I'm falling and I can't get up, ring the, you know, yes. hit the beeper button and have somebody come and get you. I was like, okay. I'm basically done. I can't get up off the toilet bowl. I'm at mile 17 or 18. I have no chance on earth of finishing 26 miles. Okay. I didn't even know what it was. Just like, you're like, what have I done? What have I got myself into? But you know what? Somehow you get off the toilet bowl. Somehow you get moving. Somehow you get going, running, walking. Mine was not all running like yours, but you know what? That finish was amazing. And every finish is amazing because you know what? We didn't quit. That's what it's about. You know, sure. We want to run fast times. We want to make ourselves proud or somebody else proud for a cause or some, some purpose that we're running for this is more than just about, you know, a PR. Um, but at the end of the day, you made a lot of crazy ass decisions to get into that race, but it worked out for you, man. And you made it through and you finished. And 
from there, you know, where does it go from there, man? Cause that's gotta be like, holy crap, this is super fun. Or maybe not. Were you, were you like saying one and done? Were you thinking like, I'm out of here. Like, I don't know if I want to no, do no. this to myself again. I, so again, this is like, I'm going to, I'm going to put on full display, uh, my hubris. I did the first one and I was like, well, I'm going to run Boston. I want to run Boston. That's what I want to do. Right. Um, Cause I had one marathon under my belt. So clearly I'm, you know, very good at this. Uh, but I, I was actually able, I, I did actually BQ on my second marathon. Um, it took me a full year. Yes. Yeah, baby. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it took me a full year of doing it. I, I then a hundred percent committed to training. I hundred percent committed to how the heck does this work? <laughs> Cause I needed to get a lot faster, not like a little bit faster, like a lot faster. So, um, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a very bold goal, but it was, I mean, I think, you know, again, this is again, just as an outsider, because I had the outsider perspective at that point still, you know, so I see the New York city marathon and I see, I see it coming down my street. I see what an experience it is. Um, everybody knows the Boston marathon, but it's famous, right? It's the most famous marathon in, in the world, I think. And, um, you know, and I knew it was sort of, a a privileged thing to do to participate in. And so I said, well, I want, I want that experience. I, you know, I want to have that privilege myself. Right. Um, and, and so I just committed to the goal and I, and I was like, well, I'm going to do it. I didn't, I obviously didn't know how quickly it would happen or that it would, you know, um, happened so quickly. I mean, I just, I got very lucky in that regard, but, um, you know, I, I knew that I wasn't going to stop until I had reached that point. Right. Um, and, uh, thankfully I enjoyed the process along the way, you know, so it wasn't, you know, um, as you say, you know, I, I became part of the groups. I became part, you know, my friends then became, runners and we all became, you know, people that were, you know, let's try to BQ, let's try to PR, let's try to, you know, so these became the sort of conversations, whereas before it was just like, oh, you know, are you doing that race, you know, next week in, in Central Park, you know, it became, it became about like dreaming big. And uh, so the conversations really changed. Well, it's become so much more aspirational. Um, you know, you're kind of out there in your own orbit, you're all by yourself getting ready to do this race in Philly, not even have any idea what the hell you're doing. You know, you stumble into a group, you're doing some long runs, you have some company and you get through it. You know, you don't blow yourself up. You don't have any major injury. You know, you're, you're battling through some plantar fascia stuff, but you make it through it. You get through, you finish the run and then the mindset totally changes. So obviously you're a big goal setter, man. You just decide you're blown out of Texas. You're coming to Broadway at 18. You know, you're like, okay, I'm running Boston by second marathon. That's it. You set goals. That's it. I'm doing this shit. It's happening. And now you're pulling your friends into the mix. So you're pulling other people into your universe. And that's when it starts to get good, man. Cause that's when the momentum becomes so positive and the energy is good because it's a mutual goal of others and people that you care about. So it isn't just Kristen's got to get this done. Now your friends have to get it done. So you can try to help them. And cause obviously we can be different age groups. We can be running different paces. We have men, we have women, we have, you know, could be 10, 20 years apart. We're all shooting for different things to, to get a qualifier to run in Boston. Um, so 
the cool thing about that is we can all help each other and we don't have to be running the same speed. So, you know, maybe I can warm up with you before you're really doing your hard stuff. And then you're going to go off and, and rip the faster miles with other people. And then I can help, you know, somebody else really get their work done and vice versa. Cause I'm not running two forties anymore and, you know, I'm not as fit and fast and I'm coming back from, you know, four months of no running from an injury, but you know what? I'm running with every bit as much joy and having such as much fun now at 60 as I was when I was 40 and in, in, in my mid thirties. And, you know, so you are bringing your friends in at this point of the equation and Boston is on the horizon. So what year is this now? What did, first off, what did you run in, in your first race in Philly? I need to know what that one was. Uh, four fifteen. Awesome. Love it. So four fifteen first. Okay. Yes. And now you've said you're going, you're going to Boston. Okay. So now, well, yes. yeah. So what did, what did you need to qualify and you know, what were, what were the steps? Cause I know you said that that was like the very next big thing that you wanted to go for and shoot for. Yeah. So at the time it was three thirty five uh, was a standard. And, um, and so, yeah, I was 40, you know. just 40 minutes. No big deal. <laughs> I we'll wasn't just, that close. We'll chop, um, we'll chop 40 minutes off. It's like really not going to be a problem. <laughs> I wasn't that close, but you know, I was like, and I'm sure if I, one of your athletes said to you, Kristen, <laughs> I, I run three fifty. I need to run three twenty. You'd be like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, it's okay. No problem. We'll, <laughs> we'll get there like next cycle. We got this. No problem. Piece of cake. Good job. I mean, the benefit is that I, I, since I had sort of started with like nothing, I had so much more to gain, you know, it was just like, oh, if I, you know, do the basics, like, again, take in nutrition properly on the long runs, you know, like all of these, you know, the very basics, um, then I can, I can all of a sudden do a lot better. Um, and, you know, of course it's not sudden, but, you know, it was just like, the sudden was the realization like, oh, this is how this works. Um, and so, you know, I put in, uh, I'm sort of, I, I will say this now because I'm sort of impressed that I did this at the time. Um, but um, so my second marathon training cycle, you know, I was basically, I peaked at 50 miles, um, you know, so I was in the 40s, uh, consistently. I, and I did a good solid, like four months training block. And, you know, again, uh, that was like, that was more than double than what I had done before, because before it was like, I think I might've gotten to 30 miles a week. I think like it was not even that sketchy. We don't really know. You'd have to yeah, break, like, you'd have I to was... break a log book out if you even have such a thing. But I used to have log books cause I'm like a hundred <laughs> years older than everybody. But yeah, we're just go, we'll go with what you say. It was probably more like 20 miles a week, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was not, it yeah. was not very much running. It I can guarantee you it was not very much running. Um, but so for the second time, I don't know why I, I don't, know what my reasoning was for latching on to 50 but i know for a fact in my head i was like 50 i'm gonna that's gonna guarantee i'm gonna get a bq again this is like i i love at this point thank so. you thank you thank you i love it i have to interrupt you because it's just it's the best because look 
This is real life. I mean, this is what we do. People think there's like, no, no, somebody like your own head, you're like 40, 50, that's it. And once you set that number and you have that kind of personality like you do or I do, that's it. You're going to do it. You're going to freaking figure out a way to do it. And I think it's awesome. So thank you. I love the fact that there was no massive science involved and you looked up some VO2 max journals and said, if I do this, no, 50 miles, that's what I have to do. I'm going to win 50 miles a week. You know what? I probably read it in runner's world or something, you know, like I was, I was dabbling in the, you know, I, I definitely had not, I've since read many coaching books, et cetera. But at that point, you know, it was literally like, Oh, I read a runner's world article and they said, you know, whatever the article was about. Right. (laughs) Oh, it had to be correct. It was one article. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Kristen said to run 50 miles a week. Yep. Check. (laughs) Don't it? Who's Kristen? Oh, what are her credentials? No, Kristen said run 50 miles a week. Done. I'm in. Get that done. That's it. Let's do it. We're doing it, baby. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I did, I, I added in speed work. Um, I had not done any speed work prior to that ever in my life ever. Um, and you know, so that was a, that was a whole new thing. (laughs) Let me tell you. Oh my God. And all these new terms, you know, tempo, I, uh, you know, fartlek, uh, intervals, like I had no idea what these, what these things were, but again, you know, I got very involved also in the group and it was like, Oh, you got to do, Oh, these are, these are the things you got to do. Right. So I, again, I just follow, I just follow. Um, <laughs> I show up and they are like, do this thing. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. You know? <laughs> um, and so I did. And, you know, like I said, uh, you know, good, you know, solid training block, you know, having no idea, you know, what a training block even is at that point. But, but yeah, <laughs> I love it because it's, this is, um, this is just so, so fun. I love having no plan and just having a conversation because, you know, it's also the same way. Like you're just, you're adopted in this group and you're kind of thrown in and there's the deep end and there's the shallow end and you don't know what any of this shit is. Okay. Okay, coach, what am I doing? Okay, we're doing this. How many four? We're doing 400s and we're going. Okay, I'm supposed to run fast. Okay, that's one lap around. All right, I got this. Okay. Oh, what are we doing? Oh, and, oh we're doing far leg. Okay, so we go fast and then we ease off. Oh, this sounds fun. Okay, I'll do this. And you know what? Your body hasn't been exposed to any of this stuff. You're a 415 marathoner. You're one time through. You, you haven't done this as a, you know, high school kid, grammar school kid, you know, you're active, but you weren't a runner. You, you didn't have any aerobic base developed. So this is like huge, huge growth areas for you. And not to mention it's all new. So it's new. It's exciting. I mean, did you like it or did you view it as like, Oh no, the track or, Oh no, tempo runs. Or were you like, Oh cool. Let's go. Let's rip. I loved it. I'm <laughs> not kidding. I loved it. I, and I, you know, so uh, I would tell my husband about it all the time. My husband also is not a runner at all. And so he, you know, he had no idea what I was talking about, but I was very excited about it. You know, <laughs> I was like, honey, today, <laughs> um, I did these things and it was, it was really weird, but I ran really fast. And then like, I thought I was going to throw up. And like, that was my story basically every day <laughs> of, of the speed work. It was like, I thought I was going to throw up, but I didn't. I love it. Well, you got to bring it home to the table. Um, and you know, if you're, if you got a running partner, great. And if you don't, you got your running friends that you can spill it all to, but it's awesome. So now you're getting exposed to these other areas that are going to develop your overall systems, your other systems besides like your base 
aerobic, which really wasn't even developed anyway, because Lord knows we, you weren't even trained for that marathon. That thing was like completely bananas. So it's coming together now. You're getting all this other stuff worked into the system. Now, are you just following like Whippet specifically? Was there a coach like within there that was like doing workouts for you guys and you were just following the group or did you connect with anybody at this point yet or not yet with trying to qualify for Boston? No, I, I was convinced that again, just total naivete. I just, wow. Well, I, I don't, what do I need somebody else to figure this out for? Um, you know, so I would, you know, the twice a week were the speed speed days. And so I just showed up and whatever people were doing, I was like, Oh, okay, I'll do that. You know? Um, and then the other miles, I just, I just made it up, uh, based off of, um, sort of the plan that I had had from the first marathon, you know, it was like, I kind of got the pattern, you know, it was like build up mileage gradually, you know, like I, I sort of understood that basic concept. You know, I knew you needed a long run every, you know, every week I would do a long run and I would make it longer. Um, you know, but yeah, I had no, <laughs> no one like overseeing or like telling me, you know, it was like, that wasn't, I, I wasn't doing like workout specific for marathon training. I was just doing whatever. Again, I just showed up and, you know, it was like, oh, I know these people I would run with, you know, the same sort of group, depending on who was there. It was like, oh yeah, I've run with you before. I'll run with you again. What are you doing? Okay. And then, you know, because people would be doing slightly different things. Um, you know, we have some people that are training for a half. We have some people that are training for a marathon, you know? So there's now as a coach, we actually have different workouts for those groups, but I just was like, Oh, I want to run with Mary. You know, <laughs> Let's run with Mary. Yeah. I love this plan. You know what this plan is? It's called hashtag wing it. You know, I show up on Tuesday and Thursday, Tuesday track, Thursday tempo, Central Park. I mean, all the clubs, they all kind of have the same format, more or less long runs or Saturdays or Sundays. And, you know, some masters runners don't run on a seven day schedule. They'll use a nine or a 10 day schedule just so they have more recovery days baked in and they need it. Um, and some runners, as we know, uh, on Whippets or other elite clubs, they want to run indoor track, outdoor track. They want to run cross country only. They want to run the shorter distances, maybe a half marathon for them is as far as they'd ever consider going. Some of them don't even want to run that far. And I have other friends, and I'm sure you do, who are not only into marathons, but they're into ultras. So you got to find what you like, what's going to get you the hell out of bed in the morning. And, you know, I love the pro, I don't hashtag wing it, man. It's like, I'll do this on Tuesday, Thursday, whatever. I'll just keep doing longer runs, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20. I'm now up to 40 for my long run. Hey, I'm still not broken. I'm still working. This is, this is pretty good. Um <laughs> So what, what's, uh, what's next? So you're making real progress. You have to be feeling stronger, fitter. What's the timeline for, uh, for the next big thing? Uh, so I ran my, you know, I ran my second marathon. I BQ'd by seven minutes, which was sort of amazing. So I ran a three thirty-three. Um, and, uh, I'm doing a dance for everybody yes, who's not yes. watching on zoom. It's a dance. It's a seven minute. It's a seven minute BQ dance right there. That's what that is. In her second marathon, four fifteen. It was very hard. So I thought because my first marathon, I had no time, you know, goal or anything. I was like, I my goal is just I want to run without stopping. Correct. So then this second time, I was like, I I was like so I was like staring. I'm I was scared about the watch. I'm like, oh my god, the time. Oh my god. You know, and we do the thing that's 
especially for beginners, like when you get to mile 20, I was like, Oh, sheesh. Like, I don't, you know, what's going to happen, you know? And, um, of course I slowed way down because again, you know, I'm a beginner. I'm not very good at this point. Um, and so, you know, I really wasn't sure I was going to make it, but, you know, I did the also very beginner thing where I went out way too fast and, you know, I had all this time built up so I could kind of just like, thankfully, you know, sort of like struggle my way through the last uh, six, you know, six miles and and still did okay in the end. But I was, I was completely in disbelief that I had actually uh, achieved that. Um, I was, and, you know, sort of like, oh, okay, well now what? You know? So the magic <laughs> happens. Where, where yeah. is the 333? Where is the second marathon at? Oh, so that was, okay. So that was in, um, it was called Mount Hood Marathon. And this is in, uh, it was in July. It actually doesn't exist anymore, this race. Um, and it, but that was the first year that, that they ran it. I think they only, I think they maybe only had it twice, but anyway, so that was the first year they ran it. Um, and it, I needed it to be in July because, uh, I took a, a big, uh, rest period after Philly. I did that. I did that very well. Uh, which I think a lot of newbies don't do. They don't actually recover after their race. Um, but I actually did that well. Kudos to me. Um, <laughs> yes. Golf so clap. I, you know, I took, I took a lot of time off and so I needed to get, so in order to get back into training and then have a, you know, I knew, I knew I needed enough time to get race ready again. Um, so that happened to be like one of the only races in July. Um, and so, yeah, so I was very, you know, surprised and happy. And then, uh, because it was in July, I was able to register for Boston in September. So it was sort of like, it was, it was kind of very instant gratification. Double, in a way, bo- you know, double bonus. Is- yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes somebody qualifies and then it's like almost like a year or more even, you know, based on when the period is. So you got, you got the double hit, you got the double bonus. Yes. yes. So, so I was able to register like, again, like, a, you know, a month and a, basically a month and a half later. And, you know, so I knew I was in for Boston and that then was again, this was another catalyst for me. It was like, oh, well, now I want to, quote, prove that I really belong. Okay. Right. You know, it's like, now I have to be the ultra serious runner. <laughs> not, that, not that you weren't type A enough already. Now we're just going to go like next level because yes. yeah, we're just, we're going, we're going all in now as if you weren't already all in. We're really going all in now. Yes. love it you know because every so each new thing you know it's like achievement unlocked right and then it's like oh well now i have to you know take on this new what's going to be the new bigger challenge what's the new how can i be the new better me you know um and i think that it all came from a from a place of really you know um improving myself you know like it's nice to have the sort of uh gratification from, from outside, you know, like, uh, the bangles and the, the awards and all of that sort of stuff. But honestly, I really felt like it was something that I was achieving for me. You know, it was like, I set out to do this thing and 
I put a lot of work into it and then I did it. And so then it becomes, okay, well, I want to be better again, or, you know, I want to improve on this because also, you know, as I've been going through this, this process, I've learned things along the way, like, oh, this works for me. This doesn't work for me. This is really bad. Don't do that ever again. You know, so all of these things are sort of informing me and I'm, and I'm, um, you know, I'm growing as a person, which is, which is great. And as a runner. So double bonus again, you know, yes. qualifying and then registering in the same year. Well, yeah, you're, you learn a lot about yourself through running. We all do. Um, and unfortunately I think a lot of us get stuck when, you know, the PR train stops or whatever it shouldn't. Um, we should still keep learning. It doesn't matter if we're slowing down, if we've actually hit that plateau and there actually isn't anywhere further to go. There's still so many other ways that you could find incredibly fulfilling, fulfilling moments out of running. Um, whether you're helping others to get a BQ or maybe prove that they can run a half marathon or a marathon or join a team that they were afraid to join because they don't feel they know what they're doing and they're scared shit. Like I can't show up for these workouts because I don't know what an interval is and I don't know what a fartlek is. And I don't know this, but <laughs> hey, I didn't know either, but now I know. And I told my husband what it was and he didn't know what it was. But you know, somewhere out there, like even if your times aren't going in the right direction for you and maybe you actually going backwards, you know? There's a reason why. And if you take the time, you can decode it. And if you really are willing to be objective and look at it, you can figure it out. Because there's a lot of people who are just running the same distance all the time. They're only running marathons. They're only running half marathons, one after the other after the other. Not just marathons. People think it's marathons, but there's a lot of people. They only run 10Ks. They only run half marathons. And they're running the same exact times or they're getting slower. Well, for one thing, all the courses are different. The weather's different. There's a lot of things different. And as you pointed out, how much recovery did you have between the race? What did you do to work on your systems? Were you working on your leg speed, your turnover? Were you working on your strength? You know, did you take any break in your cycle? Did you add some weight training? I mean, there's so many ways that we can go about trying to make ourselves stronger or a more well-rounded runner. Like when did you start figuring out some of those things that you now know as a coach you know, because you're still early in your running. I mean, you've run two marathons now, you have a 333, you BQ'd. Like, when did you start figuring out how much, how important a bunch of these other things are? Uh, so after that, I hired a coach to coach me uh, for Boston. Um, because again, I, you know, this is again, I'm taking it to the next level. This is the next level, right? So now I need a coach. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that's sort of when I, you know, I, my curiosity about everything that I didn't understand before, I now had this person that I could ask all of the questions to, and he had to answer me, you know, it's like, I could ask him, you know? and, and not only that, but like, I knew he would have the right information, you know, cause like sometimes, you know, like you'll be running and it'll be like, Hey guys, what do you think I should do about this, that, or, or the other? Right. And you'll get five different answers, you know, I mean, um, or, you know, people have different experiences with it, with things. And so they'll be like, Oh, well don't do that. Cause it didn't work for them, but it might actually work for me. Right. Um, but so that, that relationship became, a, a really great thing for me in terms of learning what works, learning how I can improve and actually also learning, um, 
just what is the science behind it? Because up until that point, I had no idea of the science. Like there, as you were saying, like there are systems you want to train. There's a recovery to it. Like I had none of those components, um, even in my head at all. Um, so he introduced all of that stuff to me and also the lingo. Like I wasn't, I wasn't fluent in it. So, um, <laughs> we do have know, our like, own, we have our own language right? for sure. We really do, man. Yeah. Non-runners, they don't, they don't want to be on an elevator with any of us. They really don't. <laughs> or they don't want to be like sitting two rows across from us on an airplane when we're on our flight out to CIM or somewhere else. Oh no, not these running people. Why don't they stop talking? Why are they so happy? What are they? They're so excited. They're going to go run some stupid race. Why would you be so excited? They don't, they just don't get it. They don't get our whole world. They really don't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was just like, I, I would literally ask like 10 questions about shoes, like, you know, as we do, but, um, you know, it was anything under the sun, you know, you name it. I was like, I was just full of questions. And that was like, I mean, not just one time or one week. It was like, <laughs> I was that person that was just completely overwhelming him with just like, but what about this? And what about that? And also I would, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I doing that and not doing this? Or, you know, what is the reason behind that? And, um, you know, it was just, it was, uh, you know, I'm sure I was, you know, now being a coach, I'm like, wow, I was a handful, you know, <laughs> I'm that, I was that person. Um, you know, but, but it was, it was a really big, you know, turning point for me because as I say, you know, that, that was a person who was, I knew I could go to always, no matter what. And also I kind of, you know, not at first, at first I was like, no, I want to seem cool. And like, I know what I'm doing, you know, like, <laughs> but then later on, it was like, no, I can just, you know, show that I I'm, I'm dumb about this, or I don't understand this. You know, it's like, I, you know, as you get to know somebody, you can like put those guards down. Right. Um, and so that was, that was a very, you know, enriching experience for me, uh, and a turning point. Yeah. It's a big turning point because I think, um, as runners, you know, this, there's a sanctity in our run chats, right? It's, it's like a confessional, like you'll talk about your husband or your wife or your business partner or a brother or sister. Like, I mean, you're going to talk about personal shit that you're not going to talk to anybody else about, but it's just on that run. That's it. The rules are clear as a bell, man. It's like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Same thing as a run. Like you could say anything you want. They'll say anything you want. And the run's over. And it's almost like, we didn't talk about that, did we? Nope, we didn't, but we did. And it's like, everybody feels a little lighter. Everybody feels a little more at peace, a little more relaxed. And you know, your comfort with a coach the same way. There's that feeling like you don't want to be the one who asked the question in science class. Like, I don't want to be that person, but no, man, we should not be afraid to ask a question. Of course not. So as these things are happening, you know, it's obviously taking you down this path where one day I want to be a coach. I want to help other people because this guy's really helping you. He's giving you all these answers you want. You're becoming more analytical. You want to know more about what's happening and what the cause and effect are of these things and how you can optimize your own performance. But it, ultimately it's about helping other people too, man. If you learn to how to crack the code for Kristen to be the best runner, or I learn how to be the best runner that Ron can be like, why not share that information with others? Right. Yeah. And that was like, oh, that was a new experience for me. Like just having somebody that is 
keeping track of what, of what you're doing, you know, like, um, you know, I had, I had kept my own training log, like for myself, no one's looking at it, you know, like no one was, no one was analyzing it or no one was saying like, Hey, you really needed to slow down on that long run. You went way too fast or those easy runs are way, you know, what are you doing? You know, like you're, you're, you're not taking your easy days easy. Um, uh, so for the first time I had somebody that was actually looking at what I was doing and saying, Hey, you know, like fix this, you know, like you need to be recovering better. You need to, you know, go harder when you're, you know, when you're supposed to go hard, those are the, those are reserved for certain times, not every day. Um, you know, and so I hadn't, I had not had anybody, uh, doing that up until that point. And, um, you know, just having in my head, you know, the notion of, of knowing that somebody was going to be looking at my pace. Um, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a people pleaser, you know, like I, I, I like to, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist, you know, like I'm, I'm, I, you know, I was a straight A student. I like to get everything right. You know, it was like, um, you know, it's like, I wanted to get the hundred in class. So I was like, oh, this is my pace target. I'm going to be right on that pace target. You know what I mean? Um, and the pace target was customized for me, for what I was doing at that time and for where I was. Um, so, you know, even though I was running and training before that, I had no like concept of pacing. I had no, you know, like I told you, I was doing speed work and I was literally just following whoever I knew, you know, from the group. So, you know, I wasn't like, I need to run my 400s at, you know, 130 or whatever. Like I, I was just like, I'm going to go with, you know, John or whatever. That was it. So this was the first time I had somebody saying, I want your 400 to be this and your recovery to be this. And, and I was like, I was all about that. That's like totally in my wheelhouse. I'm like, I'm going to hit this. I'm going to hit it like gangbusters, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, those are huge, huge changes in your training because, um, you know, if you do the hard Tuesday and you do the hard Thursday, that's great. But it's the other days where you can screw more shit up by running a minute and a half or two minutes a mile faster than you should be because you actually are recovered. You actually are feeling so good about how you did in that workout and maybe the rest of life is going well and you get out there and you see a couple of friends running in Central Park and you're like, you catch up to them and you're like, you're not breathing. It's not hard. That's not the point. Okay. But you do it because that's what that day served up to you because you didn't realize, Hey, there's way more to be gained by running two minutes slower per mile on this day and literally flip your watch over and just say, I'm chilling today. Okay. I'm going so slow. I'm going to just be in total relaxation mode, total recovery mode. The last thing I'm worried about is how fast per mile I'm going. And I sure as hell ain't running hard up Cat Hill or Harlem Hill or any other hills that come my way. I'm going easy today because I went hard on Tuesday and I went hard on Thursday. And that's a big thing to learn as is not running the track workout with you know, Susie or Mary or John, because they're your favorite three people on dashing whippets and they're all running different races than you. And they are at different fitness levels than you. Like, so that's prescribed to what your goal is and what you're trying to accomplish. And again, with the systems in mind, like, okay, your aerobic levels are here. Your marathon pace is here. All right. Your 800s need to be around here. And once you know what those numbers are, you're going to hit it, man. And that's awesome. So those are big. So when those changes start to take effect, big improvements come, right? Yes. Well, so, 
that training cycle did not end up as uh, as 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 good as planned. Um, so in training for my first Boston, that's when I had my first and hopefully ever, I will knock wood right now, um, serious running injury. Um, and that was a stress fracture. And that was, Oh man. So that was, that was rough. And, um, it came about, I'll tell you how it came about because I will, I will hope that people listen to this and not again, learn from my mistakes. Um, so that was partly a serious nutrition, um, issue, um, because I was, uh, training through the winter and I was not, I am vegetarian, but at the time I was, uh, vegan and you can totally be vegan. However, you have to really keep track of things, um, particularly things, uh, calcium, vitamin D. Um, I was also completely, um, behind, you know, calorie, uh, deficient. Um, I lost a lot of weight all of a sudden. Um, and you know, I thought all of these things were sort of like good. I was like, you know, because again, I don't have, I didn't have much frame of reference at the time. So I was like, no runners are supposed to be thin, you know, like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm training, I'm training really hard and I lost all this weight. So that means I'm like doing the right thing. And, um, you know, of course, all of these things were, were warning signs. I didn't, you know, I didn't recognize at the time. And, uh, so that led to, uh, pelvic stress fracture and, uh, you know, it took, took me out of running and it took me, you know, mentally that was, it was, it was a big blow because, you know, I had, I had poured everything into this goal. You know, I want to be a serious runner and run Boston and prove that I had earned my spot. And, you know, it was like all that was being taken away from me. And I just, you know, it was very, very difficult to deal with at the time. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, I, um, I'm not, I get a discount code for inside tracker, so I'm not like a sponsored athlete for them, but um, they're deep dive blood panels and they were very involved with Shalane's recent, um, you know, project eclipse and her doing six marathons in the 42 days. And, um, you know, just nutritionally, I happen to have celiac. So, you know, you're talking about being vegan or vegetarian. I mean, everyone has to, to eat a certain way based on their lifestyle. You know, how much are they traveling? Do they work from home? And, you know, when do they, when, when are they going to get their optimal times to get their food in versus when they're going to train and when they're going to run and get long runs in and hard workouts in. And then anybody can miss, anybody could fall below what I would call like the hard deck is a word I would use. But man, um, I had one of the Stevie Lynn on one of their best nutritionists who worked with Shalane and she was traveling um, for some segment of the, of uh, project eclipse. And, you know, she, she said it was called, she called the term playing offense versus playing defense. And I just loved it. I loved the, the way she explained it because it is playing offense versus defense. If you don't know, if you know much you weigh every day, so what, if you know what your body fat is, so what, if you know what your resting heart rate is, that's important. If you know how much sleep you're getting, that's important. But what if you don't have any idea what's going on on the inside? What if you don't know your vitamin D levels? What if you don't know your ferritin levels? What if you don't know your B12 levels? Hey, 
I got a stress fracture too. I had a stress fractured knee. I was out for four months. I know what it was like, man. That was the hardest four months of my life, man. I can't be without running. I've been running for 30 years. I've never had a real injury. And I'm not talking about a calf strain or a glute issue or something like that where you foam roll your way through or you're on the Cairo table or you get deep tissue. I'm talking about four months where you can't run, period. Not one step. Um, so it only takes one, hopefully, issue like that. So again, thanks for sharing, but Inside Tracker, all my listeners, my code RonRunsNYC, 25% off. It'd be the best damn thing you'll ever done. You'll ever do because it'll just tell you everything that's going on there. And then if you really did want to work with a nutritionist, or if you just wanted to change some of your own eating habits, or just try to make some minor changes to see, can you impact your B12 levels, your D levels, your ferritin levels, whatever. And particularly for people that are vegan or vegetarian. Yeah. I mean, there's easy ways to get enough protein and that's the oldest myth on planet earth. They can't get enough protein. That's a bunch of bullshit. Mostly all of my seriously crazy, amazing ultra and Ironman friends are vegan. So yeah, somehow they managed to crush Ironmans and ultras um, and they're not eating meat. So myth, lies, and everything else people will tell you. Um, so that was a setback and we all have them. You got through it and you started paying attention to, you know, your different levels, your nutrient deficiencies, and you get healthy. Like, where does it go? Where does it go from there? When do you get yourself back and get settled? Well, so I actually, I managed to run that Boston Marathon. Um, I had six weeks of no training uh, leading into it, uh, like leading right into it. So my first run my first official run back after my injury was the Boston Marathon. Um <laughs> that was emoji eyes right there. That's what Kristen's yeah. laughing at. I do I do really good emoji eyes by the way. There they are. <laughs> like what did she just say? Hit the rewind again, button. Say it again. I don't exactly recommend doing this. <laughs> okay. So I had, I did have, I had clearance from my doctor, you know, they were like, the fracture is healed. Um, we don't think, you know, it doesn't look like you're going to do any damage, but you know, it's gonna, it's going to be terrible. Right. I mean, like six weeks, uh, I was, you know, I had, I had biked or whatever to cross train. Um, but yeah, six weeks off of running and I was going to go run a marathon. Um, and so I, I said, you know, I was co totally committed to doing it, but I also was committed to, if I have to DNF, I will DNF. Like I promised my doctor, I promised my husband, I promised my coach, I promised my friends. I was like, I'm not going to make myself worse from, for, for this, but let me just try. And if it's okay, it's okay. Um, and so, you know, I jogged and walked, walked, ran, um, and, uh, I finished that in four seventeen, I think my, my slowest marathon, but, um, the fact that I could finish at all, I was just, I was over the moon because, you know, even standing, I was, I have never been so scared as I was standing on that starting line. I like, I'm just, I had no idea what was going to happen. I had no idea how it was going to go. Right. Um, and all of these terrible things, you know, going through my head, but I was like, if I have to go to the medic and I have to DNF, then that's, then that's what it has to be. Um, and so just each mile was like a, was like a miracle. I, I, I can't, I can't even exaggerate. I mean, and you also know how 
the crowd support and the experience of running Boston is where it's like, I feel like I was carried like, and the people around me, like I stopped to walk, I walked all of the Hills. Like if it was like slightly uphill, I stopped to walk. Um, I walked through several of the, the aid stations, you know, I was in no position to push it. Um, and so many people like around me were like, yes, keep going. You've got this, you know, just like runners and, and the crowd. And I just, I was like, I have to, you know, it was like, I felt like I could do anything because all of these people were saying that I could, you know? Um, and somehow I, I did it. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, I think so much of what we tie ourselves up with is just, it's all about PRs and we have to get faster and we have to run a faster 5k or a 10k. It's not all about that. That's not what it's all about. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't set the craziest, hardest goals. It doesn't mean we shouldn't shoot for the stars, man. I will shoot for it every single time. And I damn well know you will too, but everybody you know, pretty much was telling you don't do this. Okay. Yes. Your doctor said do it, but you know, with the caveat, like you're going to take yourself out of there, your husband, the same thing, but you know what? I'm proud of you for doing it, man, because I know after my stress fracture healed, I know that I would wake up in the middle of the night and only a person who's had a stress fracture. And it doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter if it's your hip, your knee, your foot, it doesn't matter. I would get up to go to the bathroom at three 30 in the morning. And I'd be like, can I walk on my right leg? It's like my right knee. Okay. Like, and then this was even after it was healed, I was still having these thoughts. So trust me, there would be runs out there. I know you have to know what I'm talking about. There'd be runs out there where I'm like, oh my God, was that my knee? Did I just feel something? I'm like, no, like I would almost be imagining it versus it actually happening. And it just took me so long. So I know you had to be going through that where you're just wondering, like, is this my right hip? Is it my left hip? Whatever hip it was like, is, did I just feel something weird in there? So to be out there with those crowds, with those people, which is no race can compare to it, even though New York is home and it will always be my favorite because it's our home and all those boroughs and the people and the gospel singers and all of the craziness that is New York, that makes it New York. I ran in the 100th Boston, man. Are you kidding me? I ran in the 100th, the 125th. Boston will always be my first and deepest love. And it's because of how narrow the roads are. It's because of those people being so close to you. It's because of the little kids on the side of the road and because of the grandmas that are 95 years old that have been sitting on their front lawn, you know, since almost another century while this race has been going on. And the fact that you went out there and, you know, had enough gumption to give it a go, man, God bless, man. And thankfully it didn't go the wrong way. Thankfully you didn't have to take yourself out of there, but you got to experience Boston in a way that a type A crazy person never gets to experience it. That's not what a person who is thinking of the things you're thinking of or I'm thinking of. You're, it's all just like, I'm going to run my fastest time. I'm going to rip everybody. I'm going to beat everybody in my age group. I'm going to do this. No, man. Your only goal was to keep moving. Your only goal was to keep checking off another mile. And I know I've heard those people say that stuff when someone stops, when somebody gets a cramp, because they want to help you, man. They want to keep you moving so that you're like on your path. And I mean, what point in that race did you actually realize, like, I'm actually going to finish this thing? Like, I'm actually going to make it. Like at mile 26, like I was, I was doubtful the entire time. I kid you not. I just, I, I, you know, as you were saying, I, the, the fan, I don't even know if it was phantom pain in my head. It was there. 
Um, you know, and I just was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to put weight on this because, um, you know, before I was diagnosed, I was, you, you know, what, as we do when we're injured and we're runners, you know, we just convince ourselves, Oh, it's, that's not a big deal. This is fine. I'll just, you know, uh, I can make my way through this. And so, you know, I was trying to, I could, I was, I could barely walk, honestly, it was so bad. Um, uh, you know, and as you know, walking around New York is, as part of being a New Yorker. And I was like, I could barely hobble through the street. So to just be able to like run that course in 26 miles, I was, I was completely skeptical that it would happen. And it, and it did. And it did. And I, and I, and I do think it was because of, you know, this, this spirit that was, that was all around me. And because if I was left to myself, my brain would have not, I would have not been able to continue. I, there would have been, there were so many points where I was like, I, maybe I should stop. I don't know if I should keep going. Oh, is that, is that a pain? Should I, you know, what is that? And, you know, I was just, I was really overcome by, I I will never have another race like that. I will never have another marathon like that experience like that. I don't think, I mean, it was completely transformational. So, well, I get chills hearing you talk about it. Cause I, I'm just bringing it back. I've never done anything like that, but I do know what those feelings were like for me. And I did use the word phantom all the time. I didn't even know what I was actually creating versus what was really happening. And I spent almost all my time on the bridle before I would even think about, you know, trying to go onto the roads at all. And, you know, it's just, it's incredible. And our brains are that powerful because people are out running hundred mile ultra marathons, 200 miles, 240 mile stage races. And, you know, they look like they're going to die and they're 70 miles into a race and they run 130 more miles or 200. And it's like, what, how is this person still moving? How are they still out there? Like, because their fueling was way off. They just hit a really low point, like mentally, and they just couldn't see their way through. But somebody changed it for them, whether it was some little kid who came out and said, keep going, or some mom or dad or some other runner came by and just told you, man, good job, man, you can do it, keep going. And then as you keep moving, you know, the chemicals upstairs are still moving around, you know, we're having a drink, we're seeing a different part of the course and we're moving, man. And each step we move closer, we're coming towards the goal, we're coming towards the finish line. And that's what makes what we do so amazing because- the, the closer you get to a goal, the harder it is to quit, okay? And the further away you are, the more impossible it might seem. So a lot of people would have said, oh, that's crazy, don't do it. Man, God bless you for doing it, man. That's freaking awesome. And you know what? If you, if you re-injured yourself, that's life. It's your life, man. It's no one else's life. If that was your lesson to learn that day that you re-injured it, so what? I mean, you know, there's a lot of people walking around trying to make decisions for Kristen, Ron, and everybody else. No, it's not your life. It's not your decision. You know, if your doctor says you're okay, you went out there and did it. And yeah, it's transformational. Okay. And it's your slowest marathon. But you know what? You overcame so much more than anything else in that race, you know, to get out there and to have enough guts to just take it on and give it a shot. You earned your spot you know, and you, and you wanted to take the shot and you did it, man. Yeah. You know, at that point, I wasn't sure if I would ever get back. I mean, I was, I, you know, all these things were in front of me. Like, you know, if I, 
I knew I would be unhappy with myself if I didn't try. Um, that's something I feel very strongly about, you know, like, um, you know, I've been scared or worried about a lot of things. Um, a lot of challenges or a lot of, uh, you know, difficulties that have been in front of me. And I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can do it or I don't know how it will end, but I always say, just try, just start, you know? Um, and then that's all you can do, you know, just do your best. That's all you can do. Um, and so that's sort of something I've always, you know, just been my philosophy of life, really. Love it. Well, I hope you know my mantra is stay in the fight because that's yes. all my podcast shirts and my hats and everything. And um, and obviously, any of these mantras or ways we choose to live our life, they're about life. They're not just about running, man. I mean, it's like, man, you get laid off from your job or you get divorced or somebody in the family passes or whatever man, life isn't easy. Yeah, it has its great moments and incredibly inspiring moments and wonderful life-changing moments for the family and for yourself. But you know, that was a hard thing, man. That wasn't some easy thing. You weren't running. It wasn't glorious. It wasn't like you were floating and ripping the miles, but you didn't know you were going to make it until the end, okay? You literally didn't know. I guarantee you until you turn left on Boylston and saw that finish line, that's when you knew you were going to make it because you knew no matter what, nobody was going to take you off that off that course at that point, man, because you were going from there to there and you were going to get that medal, man. You were going to get that unicorn, man. And that's awesome. Yes. It, you know, it, it was, I was strongly motivated. I was strongly motivated. Um, you know, once I had put the goal of running Boston in my, in my head, it was like, you know, it took me, it, it took a weird path to get there, but I was like, I just have to get there. Right. Um, and you know, a lot of things that went, went, um, uh, everybody went through with COVID and the pandemic and, you know, um, I know, like for myself, I have the six star medal as a goal. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm still trying to get there. You know, it's, it's been a windy road because as we know, everything was canceled, you know, and we had this whole year and a half of like, things weren't happening, races weren't happening. And so everybody had to change course, right? Um, not just with running, but with life too, you know, everything was thrown in disarray. And so I just feel like, you know what, stay the course, you you know, you might have to take a weird path to get there, you know, you might make a big U and circle around, you know, the block four times, but, you know, just, just keep going and, and, you know, try to get there, right? Stay in the fight, as you say, um, you know, <laughs> don't give up. That's, that's it. <laughs> that is it. And, um, what a lesson for you to learn, you know, to, to just go out there that day against all odds and just, you know, you had no idea. That's the thing people don't understand. You don't know. You really don't know. Like friends of mine, even my own brothers will be like, you know, you know, are, are you really going to be able to do this? I'm like, I have no idea. I literally have no idea if I'm going to be able to run 50 miles at JFK 50. I have no idea. I do know one thing. The race director has become a dear friend of mine and came on my show. He's helped me get some amazing guests on my show. It's an incredible community event. And, you know, I would not be able to live with myself and feel good about myself looking in the mirror if I just did not show up for his race. Why? Because I'm tired from running London, Boston, and New York. So what? I'm tired. I'm not injured. 
I'm not sore. I'm not broken. I'm healthy. I'm just tired. We ran three marathons in 35 days. I know you ran London, Boston, and New York too. So I'm just like, I could show up. I can come down there. I can be part of that weekend. And you know what I got out of it? 400,000 trillion times more than I gave to others because people listen to my podcast with Mike and other guests that have run the JFK 50 and saw my shirt and recognized me from running a bunch of races and are like, oh, I listen to your show. I love your show. Like, There's always something good when you put yourself out there and you're willing to just you know, do something for others. I mean, I didn't really want to run 50 miles and I had no (laughs) idea if I was going to make it. I mean, I mean, make it, yes, but make it within the cutoffs to be an official finisher because you have to do 13 hours and, you know, they allow you to stay out there till 16 hours because, you know, like any place, there's roads that are closed and it's, there are no street lights out there. I mean, you're running on the, you know, the Appalachian Trail in the mountains for a while, um, 16 miles. And then you run on a towpath along the Potomac River for 26.4 miles. And that part's all fine. But then you go on regular street country roads for eight and a half miles. And when I say there are no street lights, there are no street lights. You can't see like one inch in front of your face. Um, so when it gets out to once darkness comes and you know, this time of the year, it's dark by probably like four 30. So, um, it's a long day, but, uh, I was, just so happy that I went out there and did that. And, you know, you rolled the dice. You had no idea if you were going to finish that in a million years. And look what, look what ended up happening. It becomes like the most memorable experience. And now we fast forward ahead and you're not only not broken anymore, you're strong, you're fit, you're killing it. And you just crushed three marathons in 35 days, London, Boston, New York, and I'm probably going to screw this up, but I'm pretty sure New York was your fastest, right? Yes, it was my fastest, yes. So you got faster in all three. And was, was Boston also faster than your London or or no? No, it was three, 307, 308, 302. <laughs> that is <Yeah. laughs> amazing grouping of times. 307, 308, 302. That's crazy awesome. Like amazing. And for everybody at home, New York is easily the hardest course. Like it's not even close. Um, Way harder, way tougher. Even though we live here and we train here, it's still the hardest course. And it's the third of 30 in 35 days and travel. And you also went to Ireland before you went to London. So you were also doing some other travel on top of it. And that is three amazing performances, man. So you're getting stronger, clearly sub three. That's going down next or at some point, it's got to be a big goal. Um, and I could totally see that happening. So what's, um, what's next on the, on the dance card for you? What do you have out there on the horizon? Well, I'm going back to Boston in April. <laughs> Yay. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm looking forward to not running it in a, with any like asterisks next to it, you know, like, um, because I knew like London and then Boston, it was like, there was no way eight days later. It was like, you know, I, I mean, I felt, I felt okay, but I mean, the fatigue, what you were saying about being tired. I mean, oh, tired, just tired. I mean, not even just, not my, not my legs per se, but my entire body just worn, worn out. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, in, by by the time April rolls around, I have uh, you know recovered fully from these three 
and, you know, put in a, a nice solid training block and, you know, can hopefully really attack it and, you know, get their injury free. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Kristen, you got this. I mean, you totally have this. And when people say that, they usually, they're just saying it and they're just being dumb. Um, you definitely have this. Um, I, in 2018, I actually did all six um, and I averaged 315 when I was 58 years old. And my times were just like your 307, 302, 308, 302. I was like 313, 53 was my fastest in Boston and 317.01 was my slowest. So they were all like within a minute, you know, one after the other, three in 40 days and three in 35 days. And I did a couple of 128 halves. I did a 50 miler in between London and Berlin, um, which was my first ultra. So, and I'm 58. So you're strong. You're so fit. You're you're trending. You're going in the right direction. And you know you're definitely gonna you're gonna break through that barrier for sure. Um, and no doubt, if you can run those three close at times with all that travel in there and everything in between, you're just getting stronger. Um, and people just would always look at the marathon, that word alone, it just, you know, look, man, the first marathoner died, you know, running from point A to point Z. Um, I mean, look, our thoughts about it are just different. Look at what Shalane just did. You know, look what I did at 58. I mean, people would just think, oh, you can't do that. Or that's crazy to do that. Well, yeah, maybe it is crazy for certain people for sure, but you may just be way better and way more efficient at long distance running. Not saying you couldn't be great in the half or 10 Ks or five Ks. I'm sure you're terrific in those as well, but you may just be more inclined to perform well, you know, in the longer distances. Cause that is really consistent to be able to run. And of course the weather was different in each three um, places, although good, you know, I would say all were good. You know, Boston was easily the most humid and the most warm. You know, London was terrific weather, you know, if you were going to pick one. And then New York was great too. New York, New York weather was great. But I mean, damn, 302, man, you almost you almost did it in New York, man. I mean, that's... Now, how how was the race? I mean, did you just go out with any plan in New York or you're just like, hey, man, I'm just going to run. I don't have any plan at all. I'm just going to let it rip and see where it takes me. Well, my goal was to run that the fastest. And other than that, I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to have left. You know, like, um, I knew I was tired going in because as you say, it's, it's, it's just a lot. It was a lot of, you know, the stress of the extra logistics of figuring out all of these COVID tests and the, you know, um, extra, you know, precautions for this, that, and the other, um, you know, added on to all of the extra stress that we always have, you know, when preparing for a race at all. Um, you know, so it was an extra layer on top of, of that. And, and, um, so I was, I was definitely mentally very fatigued by the time I had gotten to New York and I was just like, I'm just, you know, I hope for the best, <laughs> you know, I, I had, I had trained really, really well going in. Um, so I thought I can probably get through all three of these, but I don't know. I had no idea how it was going to go. I mean, um, <laughs> and, and as, as you said before, uh, living here, especially, I know very well how difficult the New York course is. So, you know, it was a tall order. I was, I was, I've always been sort of intimidated by, by New York city marathon, even though 
you know, I've done it before. I have, I have never attempted it for time because I'm like, it's hard. That's freaking hard. Why would I try that for time? Like, that's not fast, you know? Um, and so this time I was, you know, I was, I was very committed to, I wanted it to be my fastest and, you know, uh, just trying to push that as much as I could. Um, but yeah, it's not, not easy. <laughs> Come on, man. The course is the hardest. It's not even close. I'll debate anyone. It's not even up yes. for debate. It's the hardest marathon course of the majors. It isn't even close. It's so much harder. And, you know, Fifth Avenue is just evil, even though it doesn't look like it. Anything on an elevation chart, you know, Fifth Avenue, every runner on earth has like been snorting, groaning and cursing and doing God knows what to get into the freaking park at 90th Street because you were so tortured by that point from 900 bridges and concrete and everything else. Just like, just get me in the park, man. The park is like my power up. It's my power boost. And, you know, it's just the way we are. We've run a billion miles in the park and, you know, all local New York runners, like that's, you know, a sanctuary. It's like, well, I've been in Central Park. I've run a zillion miles here and I know every dip and twist and turn and I know how many people are going to be there and I can summon whatever I've got left. So to finish that, you know, those three so close together, but to, to chop that many minutes off for the last one, man, your strength is on the rise. Your fitness is on the rise and yeah, you're smart, man. Give yourself time to recover, you know, definitely unwind and, you know, work on whatever little things you need to, to stay healthy, you know, diet, nutrition, all the other stuff. And don't do anything hard, man, until you're ready. You know, just like really let your body get back, you know, find, you know, I don't know. I've got my Norma Tech boots right over there. I could loan them to you, but, um, you know, or hit Fix Studio in New York City, you know, hit them up for some recovery, do a little cryotherapy, do whatever you got to do to just make sure, you know, your body's really, uh, you know, on the fully on the mend. Yeah, no, I have, I, I'm, I'm a Norma Tech, uh, you know, uh, owner myself and I, I swear by them. I swear by them. Um, I will tell you, so I have given myself permission to give my, to give an off season. Um, in the past, my coaches told me you need to take an off season. And I was hundred percent resistant to the idea. I was like, I'm not doing an off season. I don't need an off season. I was like scared of, a, of the idea of an off season. I will lose fitness. I'll be out of shape. I'll be, blah, you know, all of these things. And this year I was like, I'm doing an off season. <laughs> Please give me that off season. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, I'm actually, I am running through my off season, but I am just, I'm just running whenever I want. I'm running whatever miles I want and I'm all easy, just relaxed. You know, like, like you said, Central Park is like a home, second home to me. So if I don't go there, I miss it. Um, so, you know, just like a loop of the park and go home and, you know, be happy. Um, and, you know, also, you know, it's, it's a, as, because I'm a coach and I'm part of the team and, you know, I want to be there to, you know, see all my runners and my friends and, you know, so I am participating in, in those things as well, but it's like, I am, I, the watch is like, I, I don't even care. Like whatever it says, I don't care. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not looking at it. I'm not, I'm not worrying about the numbers. I'm not writing the down, you know, like I have to do this amount or this, whatever. Um, you know, so it, it's maybe not an off season that 
other people would, you know, identify as, as an quote off season, but it, but it is for me. So that's 100% an off season. Yeah. I, that, <laughs> I, but to me, I would, you know, if I was grading it, it's a hundred percent an off season, that's it. Um, if more people were willing to take that leap of faith and do it, there'd be a lot more healthy runners that would be improving and continue to climb and continue to get better. And you have to be, if you don't feel it yourself, feel it from me, listening to me, the old dude who's been around, to run three marathons that strong, that close together with all that travel is just so impressive. And to be able to finish in New York and run 302 is just incredibly, incredibly difficult to do. So you you have things going in the right direction and this is what you need. This is, and even it's a kind of, the, it's a time of the year. If you happen to like going in the pool and swimming, or you like, you know, riding a mountain bike on trails or something like that. And if you don't, so what, you know, the important thing is when you do run that there's literally no purpose to it whatsoever. You're not paying any attention to how far you're going or how fast you're going. And you sure as hell don't want to be thinking about going fast. You just want to be relaxing and just enjoying and, you know, let the body rebuild. And, you know, then it'll be time to draft up the next cycle and, you know, get ready for Boston. Because look, man, you know, New York City, man, we can't be any more competitive. I mean, every damn <laughs> runner on earth will be cranking out their long runs on Saturdays and Sundays and not only whippets and every other team, but there's always somebody saying, hey, man, I'm running 20 or, you know, now we have Tracksmith and every other group on the world posting stuff like, hey, we're going to, you know, like we do the last 10 mile run, which I don't know, 25 different clubs were doing. And that's great. I mean, we're so lucky that we have access to this and we're not the only city. Boston's a great running city, San Francisco, Chicago, most of the major cities really have this stuff, but you have all that available to you to tap into and you'll be ready to rip in Boston and I'll be up there. I'll be checking on you. We'll see, we'll see what goes down and hopefully, hopefully it all happens and comes together. Cause it's, it's hard to be crushing a PR at Boston. It's kind of hard to be because it's like the big stage, man. It's hard to beat. And, um, you know, I'll never forget the hundredth Boston running 241. You know, that's like, you know, it's not my fastest marathon, but it was my fastest Boston. And, you know, I trained for that like it was the Olympics and, you know, because it was the hundredth Boston. And, you know, at the time, I think the largest Boston was like 18,000 runners and they let, a, there was a big lottery and they let 40,000 runners in the race. I mean, imagine that 40,000, they don't have that many today. You know, what, what is, what are we at 30 or 32 on a, on a, on a really high year. So, um, and of course there were waves going back to, you know, Kenosha, Wisconsin, I think, believe it or not. <laughs> but, um, and I was in wave two, by the way, and I ran uh -huh. at 246 to qualify and I was in wave two. Can you, you know, how many bitches about BQs today? And I'm like, Crazy. what? I was like, I didn't care if they told me to go in wave five, I would have been like, okay, I'll go in wave five. Right. I didn't care. I was like, okay. But I remember seeing the bib now, like, you know, with a two on it. I was like, two. Right. Yeah. I was like, 246 is two. You know, but uh, you're going to, you're going to have a great, you're going to have a great race. So um, before we roll out, um, do you want to, are you looking to add any athletes that you would coach or you're just coaching like with the Whippets team individually or is this like individual coaching that you can offer to other athletes where I can just help give you like a little plug? Oh, sure. Um, no, I, I coach individually. Um, I have a website. It's uh coach Chris RS.com. So Chris RS.com. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, you know, I have some clients now and I'm always happy to, uh, to bring on more. Um, 
you know, I have most, most everybody I'm coaching right now is, is, uh, New York based, um, because there are people that I know and that I run with, but, um, you know, I'm, uh, more than happy to, you know, do online coaching only and, you know, uh, interface, uh, with, uh, you know, training plans for any distance really. Um, but I do, I do specialize mostly in halves and marathons, um, just because that's what I have the most experience in and that's what I've coached the most. Um, so, you know, particularly for those people, uh, if th- those are, you know, areas you're looking to improve in, then, you know, I'm, I'm your gal. <laughs> awesome. Now, do you do, um, like zoom with them like once a month, once a week? Like, I mean, how do you, you know, for, for somebody who is going to be remote, let's say. Yeah. So, you know, phone or zoom, um, I know some people, uh, do, do not like the video aspect of the zoom. So, you know, a good old fashioned phone call is, is, you know, totally fine. Um, (laughs) you know, uh, if you, you know, if you want to, you want to talk to me in your bathroom and you know, all that, like we don't have to be on the video. It's fine. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Well, I'll make sure when we um, do the post, um, we'll tag that up, you know, your website, the information, your Instagram, so people will know where to follow your running and keep track of what's going on for you personally. And also with your coaching, if they're interested in, uh, in getting you to help them out to achieve their goals, man, because you're killing it as a runner and you, you're asking this other dude so many questions, man, you've become an almanac yourself. So that's the way it works, man. The people who want to know all the answers, man, we study, we want to get that A plus, like you said, so we want to know, and now you got the knowledge, so you want to share it. So that's a, that's a good thing, man. You're giving back and it's community based. So I love it. That's right. Yes. And, uh, there's also, I, I'm sort of, uh, I, I feel like I still have that beginner's enthusiasm, you know, like, I, I, you know, I get as excited, uh, for my, you know, my runner's workouts as they are, you know, like, look what I did today. I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm like, I will be happy the entire day because they had a good workout. Um, you know, it's, it's like the best kind of drug. So, you know, bring all of that on, you know, like I want to celebrate with you. Let's celebrate together. Um, we can celebrate every day. It's really fine. Like, let's let's do it, you know? <laughs> I love it. Um, because at the end of the day, that's what you need. Um, you need somebody who's going to be behind you, supporting you, willing to adjust and adapt um, workouts as life needs. Because it's not linear, man. Things are not the same week over week in our lives, in our work, in our personal relationships, wherever. And if somebody's paying attention to these things... And they're looking out for you, but also they're they're invested, they're excited, they're on board, they're fired up for you. That's that's a good thing, um, and that's how we grow. And believe me, that's going to help your running too, man. When you're helping other athletes get to their goals and do their stuff, man, you're going to want to show them like, hey, man, I'm going to show these people. I got this, man. (laughs) I got to run my own PRs too, man. So I better rip a fast Boston so I get some more athletes to coach, man. But. It's <laughs> yeah, it's been a real blast talking to you, getting to know you, Kristen. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your inspo with run chats and our audience. And I hope you had fun and, um, we got to get a run in one of these days in central park, man. If you're willing to go slow enough for me though, cause I can't go too fast right now. Oh no, I'm like, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. Like let's, you know, let's pick the date. Um, 
you know, like I said, easy day's easy. So as long, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. I go whatever pace. Love it. Easy, easy is my pace for right now, man. And then hopefully next year, you know, when we get back, when I get back into things a little and I start to build for Boston, I'll be able to start cranking out some faster stuff a little. I've just really had to be extra cautious with my own thing as you did with your stress fracture. And you know, man, because it only takes one thing like that to really make you take stock. So uh, thankfully we're both healthy and uh, and I really appreciate you coming on and sharing, man, because it's really fun, fun chatting with you. So as we say at the end of every episode, we tell everybody to keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door. And like the sign says, Always remember to stay in the fight. Wow, what a journey Kristen Smith has been on. I'm so impressed with her getting such a late start in running and finding it and being tentative, almost afraid to join groups because of not feeling fast enough, not feeling comfortable to fit in, all of those typical barriers that tend to hold us back as runners from reaching out, getting involved in the community, joining a local run on a Saturday or Sunday. Sometimes we let our own heads get in the way. I really enjoyed that part of our conversation because once Kristen got involved with that group and connected with those runners, all those barriers came down. And I enjoyed our dialogue about looking for the runners in the group that have that reticence, that are worried about fitting in and trying to make them feel more comfortable because really community played such a big part of our conversation. And I think it's a big part of what drives Kristen, not only as a runner, but to help the runners that she's coaching to achieve success in life. And look, face it, running is the journey we're all on, which helps us become the best version of ourselves. And no doubt it's played a huge role in Kristen's life to this point, and I think it will continue to as we move forward. I'm so excited to continue following where her running and coaching journeys take her. I hope you all enjoy this one as much as we did, and please, if you have a moment, those reviews make such a difference and help us climb up the charts, help us get new listeners to the program, and it also helps me as a podcast host get more great guests like Kristen to come on the show. So let's keep that momentum going. And as we say at the end of every episode, just because it's cold, just because it's winter, we still got to keep lacing them up. We still got to keep getting out the door. And always remember to stay in the fight, my friends. Peace out. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving.